Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Andrew Hardwar, Jeff Kanata, and Christy Puchko. And joining us for this very special episode of the podcast, he is the editor-in-chief of SlashFilm.com. Uh, he's also the host of Slash Film Daily. Peter Serretta, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Peter, how are you doing today? Let's just get to it, Dave. Let's <laughs> <laughs> still just do this. Peter is just like laying prone on the ground. How like, am I doing today, Dave? The gall of you asking me. That. Peter's under his desk with a bottle of wine. Guys, guys I, I, you know, I re listened to the original Summer Movie, movie Wager episode to uh, kind of prepare for this one. You and yes. Peter yes. Serretta, during that episode of the podcast, you said. This this is your favorite episode of the show all year, right? And, it, yes, well, and, well, the other episode, not this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any case, uh, no doubt people have already guessed that today on the Slash Filmcast, what we're going to be doing is going over uh, the results of the 2018 Summer Movie Wager. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmcast.com. You can also email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, Jermaine Lucier, of course, participated in the Summer Movie Wager this year. Could not make it tonight. He was watching, uh, he had to go see a screening of The Predator tonight, unfortunately. Uh, but we decided to soldier on without him because, spoiler alert, Jermaine didn't win, so his votes don't matter. Uh, so let's, uh, let's talk briefly about the Summer Movie Wager and what it is, for those who don't know. Uh, you can find a full list of rules at thesummermoviewager.com. And this is the game each year wherein we try to choose uh, the top 10 grossing films of the summer by ranking them in, in top 10 format. And whoever gets closest to the actual top 10 wins the game. Uh, and I'm not going to go over all the points and how they're assigned. You can go to thesummermoviewager.com to, to learn about all that. Um, but before we get to the actual results... Uh, and the actual ranking of the top 10 this year, uh, we want to give a few shout-outs. First of all, we have to shout-out Slash Filmcast listener Dennis, who is from, I think, Germany, I want to say, and he put together the entire TheSummerMovieWager.com website. This which would is, not be it, possible without him. It, yeah, it's extraordinary. It, it would extraordinary. be 5% as fun to play without Dennis. Uh, but it, it's an extraordinary feat of uh, of web development, and there are it, like he's also tweeting <laughs> incredibly mocking remarks at all of us throughout the entire summer uh, through the he's doing so, statistics analysis, <laughs> probability yeah, generation yes. throughout the entire summer. It's the visualizations that I'm most impressed with. Yeah. Like he, he, it's th- funny because then people would ask me stuff about like the math or the whatever. I was like, I don't know, I don't know. Like <laughs> Dennis has this cornered. I Meanwhile, don't know. in Germany, it's step back. Yeah, it's like the always and sunny uh, meme photo, just like uh, things on yeah, the wall, yeah, drawing yeah. figures everywhere. Yeah. We're just like la 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 movies over here. Indeed. And the cooler thing, too, even cooler than than all that stuff, in my opinion, is that the summer, summermoviewager.com also has a complete compendium of the history of, of our summer movie wager <laughs> yeah. with uh, past winners, statistics on all that, trends. It, it's trivia. Uh, it really trivia. is incredible. This yeah. is history. This is like a significant <laughs> achievement of mankind right here, like immortalized. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, it is, is amazing. But I do got to say, as much as I love Dennis... The last month of the summer movie wager, he's like so defeating. Like seeing that like zero percent chance of winning next to my name every week. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it's brutal. It's brutal. I I, yeah, I totally it sympathize. Was, I was like the week I was on vacation, I got so many messages from people <laughs> either because of Dennis or because of like a tweet Dennis sent out, and it was just like I'm just trying to be like at the beach and not think about it. And it's like, what's the Meg gonna do this weekend? I'm like everybody, get off, get back off. Well, that's that's my biggest thing about why uh, my favorite part of the website is that it has the history. Because uh, <laughs> there's proof that I have won it before. Mm. Ah, well, <laughs> very, important, very important. Yeah. Yeah, very important. Uh, so, again, a huge shout out to Dennis. Thank you for uh, helping us to, to put this little event on each year. And, again, go to thesummermoviewager.com to uh, learn all about the history of the game and when Jeff Kanata may or may not have won. Uh, Two years back to back. Mm. Same. Okay, so uh, another thing I need to give a shout out to is uh, let, let me ask you guys this question. Let me ask you guys this question, okay? Uh, uh, if someone were to nail every single ranking correctly, right? Like get a perfect score, rank the top 10 films perfectly, um, uh, they would receive 106 points, right? Sure. Uh, how many people do you think received 106 points? And I will tell you that uh, the number of entries. Before the summer started, which this year we, we decided Avengers Infinity War was the start of the summer, uh, which gets earlier every year. The number of entries was 3,817 uh, before Avengers wow. Infinity War came out. Awesome. How many people of the 3,817 do you think got a perfect score? Any, any guesses? As to you know, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would guess. I would also say whoever got that is a freaking Terminator, and I'm <laughs> yeah. terrified of them. Yeah, they're yeah. clearly back traveler. from the future. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to guess three. Uh, the answer is zero. Not a okay. single nice. person. Makes me feel better. I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna, <laughs> yeah. because, and we'll no get into it. But there were like some real shockers this <laughs> yes. summer where yeah. things fell. I'm just going to say. Yes, I think that's, uh, I think that's accurate, Christy. Uh, yeah, so out of, uh, out of that many entries, 3,817, not a single person got all 10 choices correctly in the right order, which... I thought it was actually pretty stunning um, that out of all those entries, not a single person got it. However, uh, there was one person who entered who got a score way higher than any of us, basically wiped the floor with all of us. Uh, And that would be uh, Dan Kelly from London, England, who went by the username Deke, uh, received 96 points. So he was just 10 points under the perfect score of uh, 106 points. Well, Dave, you said that like there is one person who wiped the floor with us. Uh, it looks to me like there were well over a hundred people. That wiped <laughs> yeah, the that's floor true. With us. We don't come, and none of us enter the leaderboards until wow, where are we? Uh, oh, we're in the three hundred. We're, yeah. no, we're, we're we're in the thousands actually. <laughs> are we really? Oh, yeah. My. Dave entered it at eleven ninety one. Oh yeah, wow, yeah, eleven ninety one, rank eleven ninety one. Yeah, I fe- I feel like this really puts our expertise in. <laughs> Here's All the thing. This. I want to say, though, that every, the people who played after they listened to our episode had the advantage of listening to us mm. realize as we were going along what yeah. mistakes yeah. we were making. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because so of us that they did so I'm bad. not saying that they aren't deserved, but also just remember, we had a slight disadvantage in that as we talked it out, you all of a sudden realized, like, oh, that was... Yeah, Christopher Robin was a terrible choice. I um, would like to pull- <laughs> oh, it's starting early. Uh, I would like to point out, though, that if 3,000 and change people played and 1100 of them are better than us a third of the people that played is better than us yep Woof. yeah i know it's crazy uh I, you know i also point out that to, to add to what christy was saying i went to xoxo fest in portland this weekend which is a festival for internet creators and 
so one of the creators, the the uh, creator of the comic Shen online, very popular. Uh, he had he put a saying on the board during his presentation. He said, um, uh, "Smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others." Uh, mm-hmm. And based on that saying, we are very very smart. And our listeners are very, very wise. Uh, there so, you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just wanted to give a shout out for all the people, all the thousand people that got better scores than every single one of us. Uh, you guys did a great job. So there was some debate uh, prior to this podcast beginning about whether we should save the reveal of who won this year until the end of the episode. Uh, but everyone seemed to agree that because... The uh, the scores have already been posted, and it's really easy to find that we would simply reveal who the winner is at the top of the show and do away with that suspense so that we don't need to, like, pretend like no one knows who the winner is. Um, so let's just get out of the way, guys, right now. Uh, <laughs> the winner this year is me, David Chen. Mm-hmm. I won the Summer Movie Wager again. That's right, everybody. Trump is president. <laughs> Thanos snapped his fingers. The darkest and, timeline. And, wow, and, yeah. And, Sorry, I want to personally apologize to hashtag anyone but Dave. Uh, <laughs> I know I let you down, yeah. and I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's true. You are our only hope. You were, you you were our only hope, Christy. That yeah. was like there was like a mixed edge to that, where people kept being like, "I'm rooting for you, Christy." Hashtag anyone but Dave. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you could just root for me. Um, that's cool too. But it no, just I, goes I, to show you that people's I, disdain of me is stronger yeah. than any emotion they could feel for anyone else, Christy. Christy, yeah, it would have been nice to have hashtag specifically Christy. Right. <laughs> but like, I would say maybe 50% of the support I got was like always coded with like, screw Dave. <laughs> okay. uh, but, uh, but, yeah, that, that was fun. That was a fun <laughs> summer. In any case, uh, yeah, so I uh, am the winner. And uh, per the rules that we all agreed on, at the end of this episode of the podcast, I will specify a film. That every uh, under three hours long, a film or TV show or whatever that under three hours long that everyone else must watch. So stay tuned to hear that at the end of this episode of the podcast. Uh, hey, but yes, go ahead, Peter. What was that? I, I, I hate to do this. <laughs> do you I hate to give you more credit? But I, I think it's worth mentioning <laughs> that you got the highest score ever by a host on the Summer Movie Wager. Oh, wow. That is true. In the history of the Summer Movie Wager, I got the highest score possible or highest score ever by any host. Although I will, I do have to say, uh, if, if I don't mention this, she will kill me. Uh, my wife got a higher score than me. Uh, significantly. <laughs> significantly. Nicely done. Significantly. She's part of the 1100. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So she uh, has been lording that over me uh, and Hashtag plans to con- part of the eleven hundred. Get That's- that going. <laughs> <laughs> get that. Get that going. Exactly right. So. Uh, okay, so those are the results. Uh, at least that's who the winner is, and we'll go over kind of our choices uh, along the way. Let's get to the actual top ten rankings for the year. So, of course, number one, which everyone called, was Avengers: Infinity War, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that movie, uh, Avengers: Infinity War, like beat out you know pretty much any other film by far. It made six hundred seventy-eight million dollars domestic. Uh, and we we actually got. I remember us getting quite a bit of crap about this movie when, uh, like, like moving the summer movie wager earlier and then choosing Avengers: Infinity War as all of our number ones because some people said that basically eliminated a choice. Um, in retrospect, like, do we think that 
this was a uh, a foregone conclusion. Peter Serrata, what do you what do you think? Do you think there was any question that it was going to be Avengers: Infinity War? Did you have any I doubts? Don't, I don't think there was any question or any doubt, but I do think it would have made it more interesting not to have Avengers: Infinity War there because that would have added another right you know right. one movie into the mix that we yeah. that we weren't sure about. But I I think that would have been in the spirit of the of the idea, uh, you know, yeah. it, when you get to the end of the summer and you look at what movies made the most money, not including the one that made the most money over the course of the summer, simply because it released a couple of weeks earlier than normal. Right. I just think that doesn't really fit in the spirit. And maybe it was a foregone conclusion, but and and yeah, we all did pick it. None of us knew each other was going to pick it. We had no right, right. knowledge of that. But right. I, I think that we made the right choice because it really is the movie that made the most money over those months. Mm-hmm. So and it's quintessentially a summer movie and it's not our fault. Disney is like forcing the summer to start earlier basically, right. but that's, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. I, I will say this. I'm, I'm going to try to avoid any spoilers for Avengers infinity war, but I, I will just say that uh, while it was one of the greatest crossover events of all time, I do think Disney really took some chances with the storytelling in that film. It is not uh, a super uplifting film. You know, it is not a film that leaves you feeling great about things. And so to me, there, like I actually saw the film before opening weekend. There Mm -hmm. was an open question to me about whether it would actually perform well. Like, would people want a movie that uh, is to a significant extent a bummer? And uh, And they they wouldn't know that going in. Yeah. And that way well, it's very the people appropriate. the first weekend. The people the first but weekend, yeah. That, but that, yeah, go I ahead, I think Christine. the part of it is that people that knew about the spoilers before having seen the movie wanted to, like, experience it and wanted to have an opinion on it. And I think that was a big part of the drive was that uh, they did it with a very dark twist, but uh, it was an event movie. Like, people felt like they had to see it. Well, on the uh, other end of the coin, or the other side of the coin, I think it, it probably didn't get as much repeat viewing. As say like you know Force Awakens or something. It wasn't like a feel good, right? Uh, like yeah, Black thing. Panther is still made more money than it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and for- I would say that even more reinforces our decision including it in the summer wa- movie wager because mm-hmm. just like the summer movie wager, which itself has a very bummer ending. <laughs> <laughs> it was thematically appropriate. It was thematically. Or appropriate. did we doom ourselves by mm. setting it off that way? Ooh, was it a was yeah. it a self fulfilling prophecy? Mm. Uh. Dennis, I want you to look at our number eleven picks and figure out <laughs> and how would yeah. that shake out. Uh, I just yeah. want to know who's the star lord of this moment, like the the one person who really like tipped it over the edge. <laughs> so. <laughs> So Star Wars uh, Force Awakens, yeah, uh, Peter, that movie made $936 million domestic. Uh, Avengers Infinity War didn't do nearly that much. Uh, and perhaps, you know, the Star Wars brand, but also the fact that it just wasn't quite as uh, uplifting as that movie might have been. Uh, nonetheless, $678 million is nothing to sneeze at. Avengers Infinity War is the number one film of the box office this summer. And that is where all of our lists start to fall apart. <laughs> because uh, for number two, right, uh, the number two film of the summer uh, this year was Incredibles 2 with $602 million. Did not, anybody get that? Not a no. single person oh, chose yeah. Aven- uh, Incredibles 2 as their number two. Everyone chose Jurassic World 2 as their number two uh, this year. Admittedly begrudgingly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those movies aren't even close. One. 
There's two hundred million dollar delta between those two. I mean, Incredible <laughs> Two, Incredibles Two yeah. didn't just eke out Jurassic World Two. It crushed it. Crushed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, my wife wants me to tell everyone that she chose Incredibles Two uh, as number two. So, uh, but uh, yes. Yeah, so, love this. <laughs> why is she not on the app? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a, it's a good I question. really feel like we should have subbed her in. <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, so, Incredibles Two at, at, at number two. I think. Uh, in in my opinion, you know, I, I don't know what I don't remember what everyone's opinion here was. Incredibles too, but this is a, a classic case of uh, the sequel benefiting because the first one is so beloved. Like I actually thought Incredibles two was only pretty good. I didn't think it was spectacularly amazing and worthy of number two. Uh, but I think Incredibles one has been so beloved, so rewatched, such a part of and many of our childhoods. So and long. Right, and it's, it's been, been so long too, and th- that's kind of it. Like you saw that with Jurassic World, like the the time between franchise entries sometimes built up that anticipation. Of course, yeah, Awakens same point. thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was the only good family movie, you know, mm-hmm. of the summer that like people, you know, could bring their kids and see it as an adult and all go together. Other than Hotel Transylvania, I very too. much disagree with that <laughs> estimation based on several of <laughs> things on my list, yeah, and it's yeah. fine. But uh, no, I actually think that part of the reason it did so well is that you know it was. I think it was in some ways it was a bit of an antidote to. Uh, Infinity War. It was something that everybody could go to, and it wasn't depressing, and it was really yeah. charming, and then did have the advantage of people really love those movies. Um, but I was surprised because it felt like Pixar was handling it in a kind of unusual way, where I felt like we, as the press, got to see it a little later, which we didn't know at the time we made these picks. Um, but for me, like there was a couple of weeks there where I thought, like, oh, I'm glad I put it where I put it because like Pixar and Disney's being weird about it, um, which I think that they were just trying to sit on the spoilers um, yeah. and. You know, and also probably just them. finish it too. Like these movies get done like uh, on the wire at this point. So sometimes well, it's hard to tell. Well, but this one got yeah. moved forward a b- bunch, right? Oh, like yeah, they yeah, cut yeah, a yeah. year off its development or something. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, what was it? Something missed the was deadline. There was like, I forget. There yeah. was like one movie where they killed all together. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this feels to me like uh, a missed Peter Serretta opportunity. I feel like <laughs> you would have been the guy, Peter, that would have put Incredibles 2 second. And would have all laughed at all. We would have all laughed at you. I, and, yeah. I really thought that it had been too much time, and their like kids didn't know the Incredibles. I don't know. I, I thought like, yeah, I just thought there was too much time in between. But but instead, drawing. what happened is people who were kids when Incredibles one came out took their kids and themselves to see Incredibles 2, it seems. Um, it, was, yeah. it wasn't that long. Let, let, let's be clear. Well, it, <laughs> it was 10 years, right? It was before. I mean, Incredibles came out at a time when... You 14, could, 14 when, years ago, by the way. You point at that movie okay. and you go, oh my God, look, there can be good superhero movies. Right, yeah. You know? yeah. And, and uh, in the interim, we've been just awash in decent and up to good slash great superhero movies. And so it felt like the, the specialness of Incredibles may have become a moot point you know and i but i clearly was very wrong about that so where, where did you all put incredibles uh i put it at number four by the way jermaine put it at number three so he's pretty close um i was Pe- at number five uh yeah. peter as well put it at number five uh davindra at number four jeff at number four um yep. so this right. was a mistake like first of all don't bet against pixar yep. that's something you should have learned from last year and <laughs> yep. i just thought jurassic world had the uh because that first movie just made way too much goddamn money like right. way yeah. too much money for the yeah. value of that movie it, it, it so, is yeah. it is funny 
looking at this list that we do every year, we come out to the same realizations. I <laughs> <Yeah>. feel like <laughs> we yeah. make yeah. the same mistakes every year. I don't understand why. Why do we learn? Like we're dumb. Disney. Yeah, we're, well, real, I, we're real dumb. Here's here's what I would say. Actually, I would say uh, first of all, number three, right, is Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and I think. Uh, uh, none of us had it at number three. We all put it at number two. Uh, my guess is, with the exception of Peter Soretta, all of us hated Jurassic World 1, right? Is that uh-huh. is that correct, right? Jurassic yeah, World 1 is a it. terrible film. Loved it every page So, yeah, body. it's a terrible it's, film. It's that not dis- a terrible film. That disgraces <laughs> the entire franchise. And, uh, and so uh, I, I think all of us probably just assumed that because Jurassic World 1 made so much GD money, uh, that we j- just are like so disconnected from the desires of the American people uh, that we're going to just you take a flyer on it, you know, roll the dice and put it at number two because, hey, we didn't get the first one. We're probably not going to get the second one, and it's probably still going to make a bundle of cash. Part of that is that when I reviewed Jurassic World, I got a ton of blowback from people who either hadn't seen it or saw it and said, it's not as bad as you say. So, like, it felt like, you know... Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I don't like the term out of touch because like I don't review for everybody. I re- write my reviews from a very personal space, and I, I, you agree or you don't, whatever. But um, like, I, there was like a huge amount of the fandom that was like, it was fine. Like, why does it have to be as good as <laughs> Jurassic Park? And my thing is because if you're gonna resurrect Jurassic Park, you better damn well aim for Jurassic Park. Not this. Right. Oh, uh, I can't even get into Colin Trevorrow right but. now. I just don't have the energy. <laughs> but like this one, I think yeah, I expected it to do gangbusters because the last one did. And it just seems like there's no stopping this franchise. Yeah, I, I, I think it could have done gangbusters. I think this movie was such a downer of a like it just wasn't a good movie. And, it's very strange. Yeah, and I, I don't think it had like the momentum of the the buzz and the legs that the first one did. It's it's well, just funny because it, it is a better like as far as bad movies go, it's it's a better bad movie than the first one. I would like, agree. I found this one enjoyable. Like I I argued for this movie and its set pieces in our review. Uh, while not liking it overall, but it's just like, it is funny. Like, oh, this one is giving you something, audiences, and they don't pay attention. Yeah. I think the fun that, I mean, I said this in our review, I think the fun that people liked in the first movie was visiting his theme park in the bright sunshine and seeing this kind of wish fulfillment of a dinosaur theme park. And this movie, second movie, just ignores all that. Totally. Yeah. uh, All that said, you know, we're talking about the second movie as though it was a failure, uh, which it was artistically, but the movie still made four hundred fifteen million dollars domestically. Yeah. Um, so it still did really well. It just did nowhere near a as well as we thought it would, which is closer to Jurassic World one numbers, and b as well as Incredibles two, uh, which, as we all know, was a, a dominator this summer. Right. So, like when it comes to the game, I'm bummed about these results, but when it comes to like my faith in American yeah. audiences. I'm, this is heartening. Agreed. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Incredibles 2, but it is a better film than Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And so uh, I am glad that Brad Bird is going to get some juice to make some more films, probably that aren't in the Incredibles franchise. Tomorrowland 2. Here we yeah, go. here we come. I was going to say, let's not, let's not let Brad Bird just do whatever he wants because yeah. we've seen what happens there. Mission Impossible <laughs> 7, guys. Anyway. That was great, but I saw Tomorrowland. <laughs> it is scorching. I into saw my brain. that movie, and uh, well, I would say it's scratching into my brain, except it just kind of evaporated immediately. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's it is oh, very there's forgettable. There's parts of that yeah. that I just oh well, no, thank you. I I, I would I want to step in and say that uh, Tomorrowland. <laughs> I was, knew you were going to defend Tomorrowland. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not. I, no, I'm not going to defend Tomorrowland. I'm going to say that I don't think it was all 
Brad Bird. I think the the movie we ended up seeing was a compromise between Brad Bird and Disney. I'm not saying that yeah, yeah, Brad yeah. Bird movie was great, but I, I don't think it was as bad as I, I wouldn't be surprised. I do feel like Disney looking at the live action stuff and like after John Carter is just like, oh, let's be careful. Let's not take any chances for anything at this point. Uh, yeah. Brad Bird actually tweeted today. Uh, he, he quotes a tweet. He quotes a tweet from Eric, uh, Eric Mitchell. Uh, who says, quote, I'm sitting in the break room watching Tomorrowland, and I realize that with everything going on in the world today that maybe people should watch this movie. Brad Bird and crew told a story that people need to see and hear, hashtag Tomorrowland. And Brad Bird responded, he says, thanks much, slowly but surely people are getting around to seeing this film and telling me that it seems more relevant every day. So are we about to see a Tomorrowland assance, guys? No. No. Mm. Okay. Well, But maybe maybe he follows it up with Frontierland. Mm. I do I do tend to get a little frustrated whenever filmmakers want to be like, well, everyone got my work wrong because, like, of course they think that, like, obviously. <laughs> but like sometimes I like, and sometimes I agree with them. Like, I think everyone's wrong about Crimson Peak and Guillermo del Toro nailed it, and that movie's amazing. Then mm-hmm. sometimes you have Colin Trevorrow trying to explain that actually, like, Book of Henry is like way deeper than you think, and it's pretty much just like Star Wars, and you should all just count your lucky stars that he got canned because none of that argument made sense. Mm-hmm. It's gonna keep dumping on Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, I, get, I get the feeling that that's something that's gonna happen. You're gonna you're gonna get a tweet from him, and he's gonna be like, "Don't you know I read this? You know I listen to this thing, and you're hurting my feelings, Christy." Yeah, and there's yeah. a call back to oh, Colin Trevorrow on Twitter. I've seen his movies, so he's hurt my soul. All right, folks, before we move on to the next uh, rank in this summer movie wager, rank number four, uh, we do want to give a shout-out to all the people who donated to the podcast this week. Uh, A a big shout-out to Sarah Pants. I want to say Sarah Pants. It might be Sarah Ponce. Sarah Pants, happy birthday from Michael Allen Krolwich. Uh, Big happy birthday, uh, Michael donating. Happy birthday, hey. Um, thanks to Todd Hampton for donating. Todd, who writes in, thank you for giving me a great Sunday morning of easy listening and laughs with you and the crew. Thanks also to Jenny Nam, Stefan Furstel, and Marcus Trimble for their donations. And uh, thanks to James Corbett, who donated and wrote in the following, quote, as happy as I am to donate to a worthy podcast, this is a conciliatory donation. I must concede to Tom Willis's awesomeness for beating me at the summer movie wager my only retribution is not helping with the pronunciation of his last name i will avenge next year so hopefully willis willis, willis, willis hopefully will, will use willis hopefully will we use. uh butchered that adequately <laughs> for your passive aggressive donation james um thanks also to new subscribers julie casey and tyler Keene for contributing uh, a regular amount per month if you want to donate to the podcast go to paypal.me slash filmcast that's paypal.me slash filmcast or go to slash film.com use the slash filmcast tab uh and use the links on the side of the page all the money you donate does go to help us defray the cost of seeing movies and putting on the show uh but do not donate if it causes you any hardship or affects your livelihood in any way thanks again to all the people who donated to this week's episode all right Let's move on. Rank number four for domestic box office this summer, 2018, was Deadpool 2 clocking in at $318 million. Now, we should point out, we should point out I that— I knew it. I knew it. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's true. Peter and Christy both nailed Deadpool yeah. 2 dead on at number four. Um, and we should point out, by the way, that like basically um, every uh, choice, one, two, three, four— and five. There's roughly 
80 to 100 million dollar difference between each one of these choices. So it's like it's not even close between choices 1 through 5. Like a clear separation between these choices. Deadpool 2 clocking in with 318 million, which is about 100 million less than Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, and Peter, you you said you knew it. You're bragging about that. So uh, why why did you know it? What, what what crucial insight did you have about Deadpool two? In your opinion, I don't know. I just see my Twitter timeline and I see all these tweets from people that seem to think you know all the jokes in Deadpool are so funny. <laughs> I, I, I just I, I just knew that it was going to be big. <laughs> and I, you're I, like I, the people I follow. Oh wait, wait are, you, are you saying Deadpool two is big or not big? Because it's no, it's four. big. I I just see like Deadpool t-shirts everywhere. I I don't know. I just it's like part of popular culture. It's mm. part of this moment in time. Mm. It's Trump and it's Deadpool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. I chose Deadpool right. as number yeah. three. Uh, Devinder Hardware chose Deadpool as number five, and Jeff Kanata chose number five. So we were all. Really, like pretty close we're to in it. In the we, range, yeah, yeah, we were in within one of Deadpool two, um, but yeah, it wound up as uh, number four. And I think Christy, I'm pretty sure you called that I would be wrong putting it at number three uh, on the. <laughs> that sounds uh, like something I'd say. Yeah. I I, uh, I suspected <laughs> that this one wouldn't do as well because I just felt like part of the fun of the first one was that it was such a surprise because we didn't know what that would look like. And I felt like it was going to, you know, be like Kingsman 2, where you're like, oh, this is the same thing kind of again. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it did really well and, like, good for everybody involved, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't make yeah, you, gangbusters you, you money in that it. respect. You called it, Christy. Uh, and, yeah, Deadpool 2 came in uh, roughly $50 million under Deadpool 1. So still a big hit, but I think with a bigger budget and more ambitious story – uh, they were probably hoping for something as good as Deadpool 1, if not better. Instead, it just was fine. I think we all thought it was fine, right? Deadpool 2 is pretty I good. Mean, it's fine. I, I really enjoyed it. It was yeah. fun. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I have issues with it. Uh, I'll share the link later. But I wrote about for Mashable where, where I feel like Deadpool 2 really let down its audience. And I've written some other places. I feel like calling it story more ambitious bug- bugs me because I feel like it fell into some tropes that are really tired already. And then when the mm-hmm. f- filmmakers got asked about it, they were like, what's fridging? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty Coolsies. bad. Disappointing. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you can actually hear uh, Christy and us review it on the Slash Filmcast. Uh, so check out that review as well. Uh, but yeah, Deadpool 2 coming in at $318 million and that gives it number four for the 2018 Summer Movie Wager. Number five. This is a was a big surprise, I think, to yeah. many of us. Uh, number five was Ant Man and the Wasp coming in at two hundred thirteen million dollars, um, and uh, none of us dead hit this one. In fact, I should point out that, um, with the exception of Avengers: Infinity War, mm-hmm. only three people, uh, or only three choices, were dead dead on. Right, which is mm-hmm. Peter and Christy choosing Deadpool for number four and me choosing Ocean's 8 as number nine. Like, those are the only dead hits. No one else got anything dead on. Um, so this was definitely a summer that challenged our expectations. But Ant-Man and the Wasp coming in at 213, uh, and by the way, it passed Solo, a Star Wars story, by literally less than $300,000 in the final Jeez. weekend of the summer, right? Wow. And I think if you had guessed uh, a few years ago, hey, uh, if you had told five years ago, you, <laughs> hey, uh, summer 2018, 
a, an Ant-Man movie is going to come out and a uh, Star Wars movie, a prequel for Han Solo is going to come out. Which one's going to make more money? You would have laughed in whoever's face was the one that was telling you that question. Yeah. yeah. Which is... Frustrating point. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so... Uh, I would have yeah. laughed at somebody saying... A, you know, a uh, solo movie is coming out and a Deadpool sequel well, like, is coming out. <laughs> I, I did not realize the fact you pointed out that Ant-Man just squeaked ahead of Solo. Yeah. If it had stayed at 7th, I would have had more points by 5th. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, it's true. It's true. Uh, it, that is a really excruciating uh change there and literally it was like that last weekend of labor day that that created mm-hmm. that difference Two hundred thousand uh, bucks Two hundred thousand bucks Two hundred two hundred uh seventy thousand bucks um and 70, you, 70 you know we votes in three states i didn't even know that movie was still out then <laughs> <laughs> so i remember christy Puchko on the original summer movie wager episode saying uh that ant-man and the wasp is going to look like kitty time frolics compared to all the crazy stuff that happened in avengers infinity war uh, I actually think she was completely right, but I also think that <laughs> she nailed it. That's right. But I also think that that's actually what we all wanted, right? That's yeah. what the audience wanted. I, I enjoyed it more than Infinity War. For yeah. Sure. I thought yeah. it would feel really disposable and unnecessary. And I think plot wise, you could get away with not watching it necessarily because mm-hmm. I'm sure whatever happens in the next one movie, they'll like catch you up. So you don't necessarily have to watch this one. But uh, I wrote for Sci-Fi that it's basically like uh, it's the antidote to how depressing Infinity War was. Where yeah. they're like, "Hey, sorry about that," and it's kind of mean. It's like you know, I don't know. It's like when your boyfriend says something really crappy to you, but then gives you an ice cream cone or something. But the ice cream cone <laughs> still go good. It's not the ice cream cone's fault. Mm, mm, That's yeah. maybe not the best example. That was an elegant. <laughs> well, that, that, it's late in New York. I'm sorry. That escalated real quickly and got real dark. Uh, but glad. Uh, wait, 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 Christy has. Is your boyfriend ever or your your husband ever done that before? <laughs> no, actually, my husband's. But it is a tactic of his that when I'm sad, he's like, "Here's ice cream." But it, he's we, we very all do that. rarely. Come on. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. very rarely the reason. He's. I would never say he's mean to me, and I just <laughs> met my husband, so I feel my like my problem is my problem is with my wife. It's like, oh, are you sad? Here's ice cream. Oh, are you happy? Here's ice cream. Oh, is it Tuesday? Here's ice cream. <laughs> this is a problem. I don't. I like my fridge right now is just Hello Fresh and literally ice cream. That is all oh, I boy. own. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, our choices for Ant-Man and the Wasp, I put it at number seven. Jermaine put it at number nine. Jeez. Peter yeah. put it at number six. Uh, that was probably the closest. Hey. I was the closest guy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Christy at number seven, Devendra at number nine, and yeah. Jeff at number seven. Um, I, I will say, and I think uh, Dennis pointed this out, like this was the one that really killed me. Like I actually was considering bumping this up a couple notches, and I just I wish I listened to that voice in my head. Because, mm. uh, yeah, uh, this one for me, if this, I had moved this to the right spot, it would have been the winning choice for me. Mm. Oh, well. Mm. Uh, so many regrets. Uh, so yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp, two hundred and thirteen million dollars, uh, and coming in at number five. And it was a movie I think we all uh, we all enjoyed, and I think we all yeah. think it belong. It, 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 it yeah. you know deserves to be in that slot um, this summer. So uh, now the biggest surprise of the summer, <laughs> number six, Solo: A Star Wars Story, which clocked in at two hundred thirteen point seven million dollars, uh, a couple hundred thousand under. Ant-Man and the Wasp, $213.9 million. Uh, this was probably, this, you know, I, I, I hate to toot my own horn, guys. Uh, but this was probably my most inspired choice. I put Solo at number five, and I actually had dead hit it before uh, the last weekend of the summer. 
Uh, but I think everyone thought this movie would do better, right? Well, everyone? we all we yeah. all definitely attacked you for putting it that low, and you <laughs> even overestimated. Yes, I was like, I think, yeah, even I overestimated, it, and I was like, this could be my downfall. Like, I, I was the most afraid of of putting solo a Star Wars story. And I remember, like, I listened back to that episode, Peter Serretta. Oh, how young and foolish we were. Peter Serretta saying, if this movie does $300 million, Disney's going to be really disappointed in it. That's what you said during that episode. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I will say this, Dave. This this goes to show you like what cynics we are. Because I feel like every single one of us had heard from people they didn't. They weren't interested in a Han Solo movie. Sure, there was bad buzz because Lord and Miller were not on the film. None of us actually were personally, I think, excited to see this movie. No, but <laughs> but we were like, oh, it's Star Wars. It's going to do a lot of money. Like, well, because and that was the thing. It was like it just felt hard mm-hmm. to decipher, honestly, because Star Wars fans anymore are hard to decipher because it's not like they're a monolith in any sense. And then on top of that, it's like, yeah, it's a young Han Solo movie in theory that should be exciting, but starring a guy most people don't know how to pronounce his name, much less how to spell it or what it is. And like, then, you know, the Lord Miller thing, which I think that that's more of a film like nerd thing. I don't think that the the mainstream like people who love Star Wars movies necessarily are paying total attention to that. But Um, but I think that does kind of affect like the overall thrust of the movie, right? Like, so after that, right, like the trailers and everything we were seeing was just kind of. It's, it's kind of dull. Like there, there was just nothing super exciting aside from Donald Glover. Well, they, they like disclosed that, that basically nothing about the plot in the mm-hmm. in the trailer. Like all you knew was like I'm putting together a crew, and like that's right. it. You know, like and, they were coasting totally on nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. And part of it might have been that they. Um, that they didn't know what the like, you know, this movie was being assembled really rapidly uh, over the course of a year. Maybe they didn't know what the final arc of the film would be. I, I, I do. I, I have to think, though. I have to think that after everything that happened, uh, they probably regretted not going with the original Lord and Miller path, like spending all the extra money on the reshoots, two hundred fifty million dollars total. Uh, and for what? For a movie that grossed, you know, way under two hundred fifty million dollars domestic, didn't do that much better worldwide. Uh, it just feels like a lot of uh, hullabaloo, a lot of like uh, stress and a lot of pain for a movie that didn't end up being that good. You know, um, it is is kind of funny. It's like maybe the worry was this movie's getting too weird. This movie's getting too little, a little too crazy. Let's let's you know uh, vanilla eyes it a little. Yeah, and right. then audiences were like, "Well, this just feels like vanilla." Yeah, I don't want right. that. Well, I will I say mean, this: the things it, that I heard mm-hmm. people get the most excited about, aside from Donald Glover, who just nailed it, mm-hmm. uh, was like the robot, who was like a weird, like revolutionary, yep. sassy yep. robot, and like, oh god, to, what they do with her. Jeez, I know yeah. that's yeah. A, th- th- there were things like that in the movie where I was like, who put this together like that just mm-hmm. it's such a bizarre turn and i yeah i the solo still doesn't make sense to me um but yeah i i think that we I, all thought that uh star wars was unstoppable and <laughs> it certainly ouch. betrays the the idea that star wars is this gilded ip mm-hmm. that can that will bring people regardless of quality and regardless of content i think right i think that uh, that was the assumption that we all had that it didn't really matter because it had Star Wars in the title. Well, you you said, Jeff, on the podcast, uh, on the original Summer Movie Wager episode, you said this might be the first Star Wars movie uh, where how well it does depends on how good it is. Uh, right. And I think you were actually right about that. You know, I think the movie see, wasn't... Yeah, like- I would actually disagree with that. I actually think 
it's better than a lot of people say it is, but I don't think anybody was genuinely excited to see it. Like, I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think people showed up for the opening weekend. I don't think, you know, I, I just don't think people were excited at all. And of course there wasn't like, Oh my God, you got to see it. Kind right. Of there was yeah, nothing the in problem. it. That, yeah. That's the problem. There's nothing in it that was like, Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Right. Uh, yeah. and guys, 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 don't you want to learn how Hansel got his name? <laughs> don't you want to know that? Oh God. You're giving me like, like PTSD flashbacks yep. about that scene, yep. Devendra. Uh, it, don't you, don't you want a movie that will forever tarnish your view of the millennium Falcon? Don't you want to know what star Wars would look like with a dose of black mirror? Get in there. <laughs> this does only do damage. Like the, what, what would have been amazing, uh, for this movie. I mean, I don't think they should have made it in the first place, but what could have been amazing is if it didn't just fill in the gaps in exactly the way you would expect them to be filled mm-hmm. in. It really does. It only does damage in the ways that it, that it differentiates from the expectation is only in ways that are disappointing and not ways that are genuinely surprising or thrilling. Like the Kessel run pretty much what do you expect the, the, uh, the gambling, you know, to, to lose the, or to win the millennium Falcon pretty much what you would expect. It's not, there's nothing, it hits the beats that everybody already filled in, in their own minds instead of doing something original or interesting. I've never seen Jeff more angry (laughs) than he was (laughs) during our review of solo, a star Wars story. He was, you were so disappointed because you were, your, your position, Jeff was actually that not only did it fill in the beats exactly as you think it filled them in, in a way that was worse than what you'd imagined. Right. hundred percent. Way worse. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It does. It does. Yes. It made a very perfect analogy. Devendra. It, it, it does damage. It only does damage to something that didn't need to be touched in the first place. Right. (laughs) Right, right. Um, can, can I derail this conversation for a second? <laughs> Go ahead, Peter. Uh, for the next minute, spoilers for Star- a solo Star Wars story. Uh, I have a theory, guys. What <laughs> if we know Lando is going to be in Episode Nine, J.J. Abrams Episode Nine? What if the movie ends with him getting back the Millennium Falcon? Would that make you feel any better in a full arc wise? Of no, he doesn't the- deserve her anymore. No, he <laughs> doesn't. Deserve- he burned that Falcon. bridge. He has it, right? He has it at the end of Jedi. Mm. Why is that? Why is that a big deal? If he he, he had lost it, the, it and he got it back, like yeah, it's just he, back got, and he forth. loses it off screen somehow between <laughs> Jedi. And, Even though in theory it should mean so much more to him than it should have before. But we already got that payoff. I'm still better. We got that payoff. <laughs> him and Nin Nub are are just back in the saddle, baby. Peter, <laughs> Peter, you just you're stunned into I, silence, I, Peter. I, I, yeah, I, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. <laughs> I, I I think they can make a good arc of that uh, retroactively. That sounds like a J.J. Abrams like move, plan. by the way. Like, how about some uh, full circle franchise imagery? Like, uh, yeah. remember the first shot of Lost? What about the last shot of Lost? How about that? But dude, there are lines in Jedi that give you that payoff. Like he's <laughs> in the Falcon making the run on the Death Star on the new Death Star, and he I think doesn't he have a couple of lines of like. You know, be careful with this thing. I, it used to be mine, or I don't know, some stupid thing like that. It's, it's It already happened! I think we're going to run into the same difficulty. We ran into the same difficulty with Solo Star Wars Story that we're probably going to run into if that terrible McLean movie comes out, right? <laughs> Which is that the whole point of movies like Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, and movies like Die Hard is you're seeing these characters who don't give a shit uh, during an extraordinary period of their lives where they learn to give a shit – 
right. or you know operate under intense circumstances to like bring out the best of themselves. And uh, to have a prequel to that, where they like start to have a mini arc of that kind, it in in many ways cheapens the arc that we already know from uh, yeah, you know in this yeah, case 100%. Die Hard and Star Wars Episode Four, right? 100%. Um, so the whole point of the whole point of Die Hard is that he, he's just this dude. Yeah, he's just a regular he's just dude. A guy. He's a regular dude. There's yeah. nothing interesting about his yeah. history. Yes, that's the whole point. Yes. Yeah, with his marriage. To... Yeah. <laughs> In most instances, I kind of hate when they're like, here's a movie that's going to fill in all the gaps that like we decided weren't important enough for the first film or let decided you get to fill in yourself. My exception to that is Mamma Mia 2. Every other prequel <laughs> fills it in or every other remake, that Willy Wonka movie that it's like, what if his dad was like a crazy dentist? Boo to all of that. Like, just why kill our imaginations? Go do something interesting. Tell a new story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. And by the way, it's worth bringing up, uh, you know, Rogue One in this conversation, too, which is a messy ass movie. But at the end of the day, felt like it accomplished a lot more. Like it felt like it at least gave me something, even if what it told us was something we did know. It at least dramatized it in a way that it did feel new. It did feel yeah. fresh. Here, here's something. Super the jumping off point for that movie was one data point. Yep. It wasn't 12 right. data points that you have to weave together in some sort of tapestry right. of banal right it was like you know it's literally one one key bit of information it's like mm-hmm. okay we can build a story from that instead of trying to figure out how to dance between all these things we already know rogue one also did a bunch of other things really well a lot of uh, memorable characters introduced in rogue one diverse cast uh and a lot of it is shot like a war movie a lot of it is um it, you know, it takes place in these like battlefields uh in a way well, they- that we hadn't really seen in star wars before in um, fairness, they tried to do that in Solo as well. There's that like yeah for like three seconds, too. you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, and and I would say the ending of Rogue One uh, took some big chances in terms yeah, of a, uh, yeah. that's guys, a pretty risky guys, ending. Yeah. Yep. I, I was successful. I have derailed this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Sorry. It's cool. The it, Peter's revenge. Yeah. Peter yeah, has, yeah. yeah. Just introduce an opinion about Star Wars in a room full of geeks, and you can. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Uh, Let's move on to the next rank, uh, number seven at the box office this year. Actually, we should point out before we get to number seven, uh, Solo Star Wars Story was number six. Um, I chose it as number five. I was the one that ranked it the lowest. Jermaine put it at number four. Peter put it at number three. Christy at number three. Uh, Devendra at number three. Jeff at number three. Uh, a lot of people thought it would do a lot better than it did. Unfortunately, it did not do that well. Uh, number seven, Mission Impossible Fallout, clocking in with $206 million, uh, which is, I think, slightly better than uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation at this point. Um, not and 100% sure. Should true. be more. Should Am be I correct more. in that yeah. like 10% of that gross was just you seeing it, Dave? <laughs> I think that's, that is correct. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I actually did see Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, I don't even remember how many times. I think it was five, six. It might have been six times. Many, many times. Many, many, many times. times. Did AMC pay for that, Dave? Um, not enough. <laughs> not enough. I'll put it that way. Uh, so yeah, Mission Impossible Fallout. This did roughly as well as I think many of us thought it would do. You know, I ranked it as number mm-hmm. six. Uh, Jermaine put it at number six. Peter, you messed up your list. Oh, and you put it at number ten. <laughs> hold, hold on, one second, Dave. This is yeah. the one rant I'm going to have. <laughs> after we recorded the podcast, I had done some math and I had done it wrong. Yes. And after we recorded the podcast, I I tried to beg Dave. I was like, "Can I move Mission Impossible up?" I totally did the math wrong on this. I meant to have it at uh, at um, where did I? I meant yeah. to have it at number seven. And Dave was like, no, if, if we allowed you to do this, uh, we'd have to allow uh, Jeff 
to have Christopher Robbins off his list. <laughs> and um, no one wants that. <laughs> no one wanted that. So I didn't, but I do want to say if if this had been at number seven where I wanted it to be, I would have gotten 73 points and I would have beaten Dave mm, for the mm, number position. Wow. So, so many you. In your so many here. people would have beaten me. But you know, guys, to quote and, and, one and of I our... do want to say, I do have a conversation with Dave from the day we recorded this podcast, basically <laughs> asking to move the thing. So this is me. Yeah. I'm like waiting for Pete to Peter to admit that he actually recorded the conversation. It's going to be. Hi, I'm Jesse Ware. I'm Lenny. And we're from the Table Manners podcast. And this week we're sponsored by Uniqlo. I'd really like to bring to your attention Uniqlo Airism. So it's a base layer that releases heat and moisture to keep you feeling cool. So Aerism fabric includes antimicrobial and deodorizing features to help you stay feeling fresh. And Aerism's so lightweight and it's really, really super smooth, which stays invisible beneath the clothes. So you can wear this layer and still be really cool. And it's soft. It's really it's soft. soft. Gorgeous. So discover Aerism now in Uniqlo stores and online at uniqlo.com. <laughs> Released as an After Dark. <laughs> yeah. No, Omarosa recorded it, and Peter yes. has it. Um, uh, you know, in Peter's defense, A, math is hard. Uh, but but B, um, let us all learn from this, as Dave said, wisdom versus, uh, what did you say? Smart? Like a, a smart person learns from their mistake. A wise person yeah. learns from the mistakes of others. Let's all, uh, let's all proofread our lists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff. It's also like, it's not even math. It's like, Mission Impossible? Well, on a 10 all the way down there i don't know, I don't know <laughs> what man. i did is i added the weekend numbers instead of the whole week numbers together for the whatever it, it what? yeah <laughs> i can explain yeah. it later. so basically it if you go to box office mojo you can select uh-huh. weekend and it'll give you the week the weekend numbers for every weekend and so he just added those up um, but it does not factor in how much money the, the movie makes during the week, you see. So, well, we should point out that one, wow. of the great, one of the great things that Dennis does on the summermoviewager.com is he lists our greatest mistake. And yeah. Peter has already pinpointed his greatest mistake. Uh, we've already passed by my greatest mistake, which was putting Star Wars Story at third. If I had put it at six, I would have won. Uh, so uh, it's a really wonderful little tool to show. You know, just literally one different decision could have <laughs> won the game for each of us. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. So, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, I think we all enjoyed this movie and think it belongs here. Like it was, it was. I obviously really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it's we all we all got it pretty close to where it ended up being. Um, Isn't it funny though that that it seems like Mission Impossible was this big success and everybody was talking about how great it was. And Star Wars, the solo Star Wars story was the opposite. And yet they're, you know, $10 million difference and Star Wars is slightly above it. It's just a, a different narrative, right? To, to be fair, well, Jeff. Um, sorry, go ahead, Christy. No, no, go ahead. To, to be fair, Jeff, uh, any idea how much Star Wars, uh, solo Star Wars story made worldwide? Can you, can you guess? I'm sure it was a heck of a lot more than it made domestically. It was uh, – it basically made uh, – uh, actually, no. It was – that's the thing. It didn't make that much <laughs> worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it made really? 180 in foreign sales for uh, wow. a little under $400 million worldwide. That's Solo a Star Wars story. Oh. Uh, for comparison, Mission Impossible Fallout just crossed $700 million So wow. um, worldwide. So it's like – it's it's making almost twice as much money as solo Star Wars story, uh, right. worldwide. So it's like, on the one hand, yes, you're right. It, domestically, it's slightly under, but worldwide, yeah. it is destroying 
uh, solo Star Wars story. So that, that makes me feel a little better, by the way, because I always felt so I felt physically and like personally attacked when I would talk to people about this movie. I was like, hey, you should go see Fallout. And they're like, I don't really like the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. I'll wait for I'll wait for it to be on, you know, Blu-ray or streaming or something like what is what is wrong with you people? Who are these this, people? Nor- this is what normal Here, people think. And I will say it's not this. Making that much I, money, I guess. like the Mission Impossible movies, but I do not watch them over and over again. I watch them. I enjoy them. I watch the next one. And I did not understand some of the plot points in this one because I was like, wait, what? Because they're referring to stuff that actually happened in the previous movies, which is not yeah. something that a lot of the other movies have done. Yeah. Um. So as I wasn't on that episode, I like this movie fine. But when someone tweeted at all of us and was like, what would your ranking of the Mission Impossible movies be? I admittedly was like stirring the pot a bit. And I was like, I like Skyscraper better than MI6. Um, there it is. <laughs> there we are. I don't oh. care. I oh, yeah. I remember that. that. I remember that. People thought I, I wish was you trolling. were on that episode. I stand by that. I wish I was <laughs> on either episode, guys. I had so many thoughts on Skyscraper. <laughs> That's insane. So, so... <laughs> okay, like, can, can I say one more yeah. thing about Solo Star Wars Story, Dave? Uh, only if I can say three more about Skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it only made $4 million more than the Empire Strikes Back made in uh, 1980. Unadjusted. Mm. Right? Unadjusted. Uh, well, the, the mind-blowing number to me is, you know, we all talk, we are talking about how Mission Impossible followed its big success. That movie only made $60 million opening weekend. Um, that's like $8 million more than The Nun made this weekend. Do you know what I mean? Jeez. And it's just like... Yeah. It just, even if you don't like the movie, the dude freaking risked his life and broke his ankle, hung off the side of a helicopter, you know, I just... I respect it, the game, even yeah. though it's not my yeah. favorite game. It felt to me like he deserved to, uh, that this movie deserved to open bigger, given the amount of effort that was put into yeah. it. But, <laughs> just like, just like, also, a, just like the talent how, involved, like yeah, the, the, right. the, spectacle, the talent of the spectacle, like every, the filmmaking involved, like... I, I will say I felt um, also really annoyed that all the big screen screenings, so like IMAX and Dolby Vision too, like um, they were gone within like three weeks, mm. replaced by like uh, what was that the Mark Wahlberg movie that looked oh terrible. Mile Twenty Two, Mile Twenty Two <laughs> replaced it on IMAX and Dolby Vision. I'm like, man, that is that's like an affront against cinema at this point. <laughs> I, I do kind of wish like. I don't know. For a movie like this, it kind of makes more sense to keep that in the big screen, but I guess people just aren't going, so they take them down. Your uh, your explanation for Mission Impossible reminds me of a John Mulaney joke. Have you guys <laughs> heard the joke about uh, the? He, he's saying that uh, you know that uh, a movie costs two hundred million dollars to make, and, yeah. and he's like, it's it's incredible that it's like they they did it, like they they did all of that, and he's like, I would. <laughs> I would if you just piled up two hundred million dollars in a room. I bet you could just sell tickets to that. Yeah, you <laughs> like, could sell tickets. Just look at the money, right? Just yeah. look at the money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and well, I think I actually think probably in terms of most expensive movie, it's probably between Solo and Avengers: Infinity War, right? Like those are probably the most expensive movies that were made this summer. Uh, yeah. Based on my knowledge of things, but anyway, Mission Impossible Six, solid choice. Basically, everyone chose it except for Peter. Uh, as with you know one rank away from number six, I chose it as I'm sorry, it was number seven. I chose it as number six. Um, yeah, basically everyone chose it as number six. So we're all it, it, that movie didn't really impact uh, our rankings uh, except for Peter's. Uh, number eight, Hotel Transylvania three. Hotel Transylvania three clocks in with a hundred sixty two point eight million dollars. Uh, all of us had this somewhere on the list except for Devendra. Uh, I think but, Christie was really 
but you know, hyping for this too. So yeah. this one is all you, Christy. Christy, did you see this movie? I didn't. Okay. Um, but it was just, no, it was just pushed for this hard. Yeah, no, I, it was just because it came out at a time where I had other things going on. It was, you know, it was uh, something I wasn't particularly covering because, you know, I don't know. I don't have a good reason. I just didn't uh, like. I mean, there were a lot of movies in July I had to catch up on later because of work stuff and. Yeah, but I mean, I heard it was fun. Uh, I knew it was getting promoted like mad because when I was in Montreal for Fantasia, uh, every commercial break was a Hotel Transylvania 3 commercial, um, which was confusing to me because I was actually watching Teen Titans Go and I was like, where are the commercials for this movie, Cartoon (laughs) Network? So uh, Hotel Transylvania 3, uh, so not a single one of us has seen this movie, right? No, right. no one on this podcast has seen the movie. Okay, out. like they're really yeah. cute movies. I'll watch yeah. it when it comes to Netflix. So I got, uh, I clocked it at number ten. Jermaine got it at number ten. Um, Peter got it at number seven, really close. Uh, and Devendra put it at number ten, uh, and then Jeff put ten. it. Uh, I'm sorry, wait. Devendra put it at not at all, and then Jeff put it at number ten. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Hotel Transylvania three. We have nothing to say about this movie. Uh, although yeah. it did give <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, I'm very glad these movies are successful because uh, they're directed by Gendy Tartakovsky. That's right. and that guy deserves to make all the all the things. Give him, give him a Star Wars movie. People, come on. Number nine, Ocean's Eight, coming in with 139 million dollars. Uh, I was the only one who dead hit this as my number nine choice. Uh, Jermaine got five points out of it because he put it uh, at where did he put it at number seven Uh, Christy you put it as one of your dark horses Peter put Ocean's 8 as number eight Devendra put Ocean's 8 as number eight and Jeff Kanata put Ocean's 8 as number six way up there Uh, which is a choice that I think Christy actually pointed out was a little too high uh, when it actually (laughs) happened yeah yeah. Um, so Ocean's Eight. This was a completely fine, fun, uh, solid romp at the movies. I can understand why it did this well. It was just you know just light fun, um, and certainly a lot of audiences turned out for it. Uh, any other thoughts on Ocean's Eight? You know, it's a total female power fantasy, which was super fun. Like I mean, I went to see it twice in a week because of the fashion. Mm. I, I mean, like, it's fun. It, There's a lot of fun things about it, but the fashion in it is so good that I was like, I'm seeing this on the big screen twice. That's what's happening. Kate I really, and I really, I really overestimated that. I, I <laughs> feel like every year there is a sort of female-centric film that does really, really well. I didn't know if it was going to be this one or if it was going to be Mamma Mia 2. Uh, and usually they're higher up, uh, quite honestly. If you look at the actual rankings of the movies this year, it's not very female frankly uh i mean there's some there's some kid friendly stuff but it is a it's a pretty uh you know genre heavy list and there's usually one that that kind of breaks the mold higher up in the list than that and i'm surprised that oceans 8 well obviously i was surprised that oceans 8 wasn't wasn't the movie but even that there wasn't any movie like that that sort of made more money right last year we had wonder woman coming in at number 1 and girls trip coming in at number 10 um, so yeah, it certainly was reasonable to think that Ocean's Eight might do better, but uh, clocked in at number nine at one hundred thirty nine. I'm going to put a controversial opinion out there. Here I think comes. this movie would have done better if it wasn't an Ocean's franchise movie. Mm. 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 Why? Why do I you think, think that, that actually is, hurt it? I don't know. I think people kind of like uh, it smelled like you know is a Hollywood 
play at trying to get the female market. It didn't feel organic. It felt like a franchise thing. Do you know what I mean? It felt pandering mm-hmm. is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It felt kind of like pandering to me, I think. Hmm. Uh, well, I'm uh, just saying in like public perception. I'm not saying the, the movie I actually enjoyed. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I, I thought. I mean, it was... but contrast to that, it's like you look at all the heist movies that have women in them, and how many of them have made over a hundred million dollars? Right. It's, it's a, like yeah. the cast is incredible, but part of the reason they got it together is because it had a concept that people knew and people were mm-hmm. familiar with and that worked. True. I like I, it's just, and it's speculation. We can't tell. I don't know. I am glad that it made as much money. I didn't think it would because I thought of Ghostbusters, where all of a sudden you had a bunch of people who were just being like, "Well, I'm not going to go see that because it's <laughs> a disgrace because girls or whatever." And it didn't seem like that was a problem for Ocean's 8, which is exciting. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We had a lot of, uh, to speak to the idea of, like, you know, female-fronted movies, one, there are just way less of them made because Hollywood is sexist, and we've been over that. But, two, like, a lot of the Hollywood, the, the female-fronted movies that came out this year just weren't very good. Like, I Feel Pretty mm-hmm. came out. Remember that? That wasn't summer. That was just terrible. But, like, you know, there's just been, there, but Book Club, I heard, was quite charming. Like, it's just that... Those movies aren't pushed the way that, like, a lot of these movies are pushed. They are not necessarily made to make big money. This was because it was, like, a higher, like, it was a pre-existing franchise. It had all these big names, like, literal Academy Mm -hmm. Award winners and stuff. So, like, the other movies that did well uh, that were female-fronted, they didn't have to do as well as this to be, you know, hitting that that board. Speaking of, by the way, I think uh, just based on the trailers and what we're hearing from Tiff, Widows is going to make all the damn money yep. in the world. I think it that movie it. sounds incredible. So, yes, that's the, you know, women led heist film I'm looking forward to. Indeed. Indeed. OK, so we arrive at number 10 and I have to say that basically a few weeks ago, uh, I thought this contest was over. Christy had run away with it. Um, she had Mamma Mia, here we go again at number 10, uh, giving her 13 points, dominating everyone else. And there was basically, like in my mind, like no chance that any movie could overtake Mamma Mia, here we go again. Certainly not a movie that had been in development for over a decade and came out on August 10th, 2018. Um, but just like any good supervillain, you <laughs> unleashed the giant sharks. That's right. That's right. Uh, the hashtag Save Dave Wave of all the people going to see The Meg came in at number 10 with $123.8 uh, million. And only three people put The Meg on their list at all. Um, I put it as my Dark Horse, Jermaine and Devendra mm-hmm. both had it on their list. I put it way too high, but I was I knew this movie would make a ton of money this summer. I think I just didn't think it would be have enough time. Yeah, to make it just it. Yeah, right. so yeah, yeah. that was time. my concern. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, my concern as well. Fair to say that this movie surprised many of us, right? Uh, in terms of uh, how well it did, and uh, the the thing, the the other thing that like a it surprised us because of how much money it made in such a short period of time. Uh, people were clocking this movie. They were uh, projecting it would make between twenty and twenty-five million dollars at the box office opening weekend. It instead made, I think, forty-five million. So it made like about double what mm-hmm. they thought it would make opening weekend. Uh, and the movie wasn't that good, right? I mean, Devendra enjoyed it, but I, I thought it was disagree. It, it out skyscraper. Yeah, I thought skyscraper. it was really fun. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I thought it was not not a very good movie, but I think one thing it did have going for it was it was rated PG thirteen, and I think like mm-hmm. I would yeah. have felt totally fine taking my kids to go see this movie I, I, all this movie needed going for it dave was jason statham fighting a freaking shark 
and he fought a freaking shark and it was pretty Additionally, awesome. being super adorable with a kid. Like yeah, it was yeah. and then there was like the shirtless scene. Like they were just hitting all the all, they were just like check mark. We're gonna get everybody f- in these demographics. Yeah. Four mm-hmm. quadrant movie, certainly. Uh and yeah, I mean I would have it's it's actually like kind of a family film, you know, which I disappointed those of us who wanted to see something more like Alex Aja's Piranha, but uh <laughs> was certainly something that uh seemed to resonate with audience. This thing had legs. You know, it wasn't just like open big and then like crash the second weekend. Like it actually kept going all the way through Labor Day weekend. Um, so certainly... You could be surprise. using so many fish metaphors here, Dave. I'm yep. really disappointed. I'm, d- I'm trying not this to. This thing had fins, <laughs> giant fins, yeah. swam all the way through the, the holidays. Yes, that's right. If it, if it doesn't stops moving forward, it dies. All dies. Right. Mm, mm. So, uh, yeah, that's the Meg at number 10 with $123 million. Uh, and as we've already... Disclose like the the point values. I got sixty seven points, giving me the victory. Jermaine sixty four at second place. Peter third place at sixty. Christy with fifty six uh, at fourth place, and uh, Devendra in fifth place with fifty five. Time with uh, Jeff. So shame. Yeah, so shame. yeah, it's time. We're we're tied. There's neither of us lost I, I, because. I'm especially ashamed because, uh, sorry, Jeff, I love you very much, uh, but the summer movie wager has not been kind to you, so I feel very bad. Basically, he associates you with the stench of failure, Jeff. And a two-time winner. Double two-time winner. Jeff Kanata. I mean, not in this decade, but still. So those were the top ten. Now, we got to mention... Like I, what I want to do is I want to get to all the choices we made that didn't make it onto the list. But before we do that, uh, we should mention what came in eleventh, uh, twelfth, and thirteenth. Right, eleventh, right, uh, right behind the Meg. It literally lost to the Meg in, in the last weekend. Mamma Mia! Here we go again at one hundred eighteen million dollars. Um, and so yeah, this movie did really, really well. Uh, and I think several of us had it on our list. Right, uh, Christy had it at number ten. I had it as Dark Horse. Jermaine had it as Dark Horse. Um, and, uh, Christy, according to you, super fun film, right? It's great. It's genuinely wonderful. I got to finally see it a couple weeks ago and I talked about it in the show. Um, it was a packed house and it was people of all ages and people were so excited to be there. You could hear gasping whenever every cast member showed up. Like if it's still showing near you and you like the first one, I highly recommend seeing it in theaters because it was so much fun to see with an audience who was just so stoked to be there and to reunite with those characters. And like, yeah, it's a franchise, but it's not, it feels like different. It's not like, you know, star Wars or whatever. There's this huge mythos. It's that people love these songs and love this story. And it's funny. Cause like you can take kids to see it because yeah, there's sex off screen, but it's all much, so much new innuendo. They have no idea. And like my nieces love mama Mia, which I found out this year, which was super fun. So like little toddlers running around singing ABBA songs. It's the best. Mm. Uh, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Uh, and by the way, my, my wife was going to see that movie just to support you slash, um, she did tweet try, that at me and try I try to make me that. lose. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so that came in at number 11, barely missed the top 10. Another movie that barely missed the top 10 that I don't think any of us thought had a chance in hell at coming close to the top 10. Uh, in fact, I don't think any of us had this on any of our lists, right? Yep. Uh, was, Actually, wait, maybe one of us did? It was uh, no, the Dark Horse. N- none of us had it on our top ten, right? Um, who, who had it as Dark, dark Horse, Christy? I did. Oh, mm-hmm. you did. You had it as Dark Horse. Okay, so, um, but yeah, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, 
which came in. Oh, 12... I'm sorry. I thought I, I'm looking at the wrong list. Apparently, go okay. ahead. Sorry, no, I yeah. didn't have crazy. Rich no, Asians. no one had crazy rich Asians anywhere on any of our lists. Um, and it came in at 117 million dollars, uh, which is insane. Insane that it made that much money. I was yeah. actually uh, like kind of afraid that I would trigger the first scandal in. Um, uh, summer movie wager history by uh, helping to propel Crazy Rich Asians into the top 10, seeing as how I bought out an entire theater. So I would have yeah. actually contributed a significant percentage might of have the had box to office you, Dave. Yeah, yeah, you might have had to impeach me. Um, but yeah, it is uh, the best performing romantic comedy in six years, according to Scott Mendelson at Forbes. Uh, it's doing extremely well. It has uh, incredible legs. It's it's just uh, dropping very little from week to week and still has quite a ways to go before it's done at the box office. Uh, and that makes me extremely happy. So um, this movie is going to cause other movies and TV shows to be greenlit with more diversity in them. I think it reflects the Asian-American experience in a way that uh, other movies don't really. And uh, I think it has a unique perspective to offer on it. I'm just very glad that it's making this much money. But yeah, didn't did not ever imagine it could even come close to top ten. And can, it can I say something about this? Extremely close. Yes, go ahead, Peter. I don't think it's that we underestimated a romantic comedy or underestimated underestimated a movie with an entire Asian cast. For me, at least, seeing this this movie came out on August fifteenth. Yeah, like seemed impossible. Yeah, for yeah. Yeah, it had like three weeks to to make up the you know over a hundred million dollars, and it basically did that. Um, but insane. I will say I didn't pick it in part because it's a rom com and the the, the timing. I, because rom, rom romantic comedies have been a hard sell in theaters lately, and it's like people keep writing these pieces about how the romantic comedy is dead, and then this summer. Uh, you know, has been a big slap to the face of that argument with Crazy Rich Asians and with to all the boys I loved before. Like all of a sudden, everybody's excited about oh, and that other one. Set uh, it up. Set it up. Set yeah, two Netflix movies mm-hmm. and Crazy Rich Asians, and now people are excited about rom coms again. And yeah, we could get sequels to Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I highly recommend people read the books because I read the first book before I saw the first movie and they're different, but they're different in such fun and interesting ways. And now I'm like on the third book and they're just addictive. They're so much fun. And if you like those worlds, it's just such a joy to dive into them and, you know, experience these characters that Kevin Kwan created and that the screenwriters really beautifully adapted. Uh, indeed. And yeah, I, uh, was really glad to review that with you guys. Uh, also, I was glad to guest on Film Spotting to review that uh, that uh, film as well. Uh, really enjoyed it. And so, uh, Crazy Rich Asians coming in at number twelve at the box office this summer with one hundred seventeen million dollars. Number thirteen. This is a movie I actually thought would do better than it did. I put it as a. Uh, well, I was <laughs> I was gonna put it as Dark Horse. It didn't make the list, but. Uh, Equalizer 2 coming in with 100 and uh, 100.7 million dollars uh, Peter Serretta put Equalizer 2 as a dark horse so did Christy Puchko and yeah. so did Jeff Kanata and actually for a time it seemed as though Equalizer uh, would actually be in the top 10 it made more money than Mamma Mia opening weekend but just didn't have as many legs as, uh, as that film um, has anyone seen Equalizer 2? Am I, I'm, I'm the only one that's seen Equalizer 2 yes? I haven't even seen Equalizer 1. Yeah. Um, Let's just say, like, you know, I think $100 million is a completely fine number. You know, I didn't think that movie, the movie was that good. Um, And it didn't, all I want to see is Denzel Washington kill a bunch of dudes, and it didn't really deliver on that promise, in my opinion. Um, 
in in as much as I would have liked it to. So uh, didn't really mind that it only got uh, you know hundred million dollars. Uh, felt like that was a totally deserving amount of money for that movie to make. So that's number thirteen at the box office. Uh, Equalizer two with a hundred point seven million dollars. So that's the top ten. Uh, and before we get to what my choice of thing for you guys to watch is, let's talk about all the things we chose that didn't make it into the top ten. And I'm going to start, guys. Uh, I'm going to just fess up right here that the biggest miscalculation I made that is to my eternal embarrassment was putting Skyscraper at number eight. Uh, it frustrates oh, yeah. me that you took a mulligan on an entire number <laughs> on your list and you still won. That just makes me angry. Yeah, I mean, it should. Um, but I, yeah, Skyscraper uh, came in 17th at the box office this summer. It wasn't even close to the top ten. Um, and to add to that, it wasn't a particularly good movie either. But um, <laughs> I think you guys are right. You guys are right. You guys on the podcast, you were saying, hey, I think we're all rocked out. You know, I think like between Rampage and Skyscraper and people are going to think these are the same movie. And yeah. Rampage um, was this year. It yeah. was, not, not only was yeah. it this year, it was like and three Rampage months before. And Rampage was like months after yeah. uh, Jumanji. Like <laughs> it was. And here's what bugs me, though. And, like, just I genuinely thought Skyscraper was a ton of fun. And it played with these, like, conventions we've seen before in a way that I, I thought Chris, was actually yeah, I would fresh. love to see this movie, like, sitting next to you and just, like, watch uh. you enjoy it. I feel like the only way for me to enjoy this movie is to watch you, like, watch you enjoy it, basically. You have to ask Matt Zanato what that was like. Because I, I was losing my mind. I was, movie. oh, my God. I was cheering and gasping. I thought it was so much fun. But, uh, I, yeah. I Skyscraper wish... did okay, though. I wish the cast in the filmmaker of Skyscraper made the Meg. Mm. Yeah, I actually <laughs> don't agree. know about that. Well, when don't you say Skyscraper that. did okay, Christy, I mean, the movie's budget was $125 million. It made $67 million domestic. Uh, only had $300 million total worldwide. I, I think it, it actually did pretty rough. Um, David? Yes? Uh, I know that you went back and re-listened to our summer movie wager, and That's you can right. correct you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember yes. uh, you and I having a little side bet about <laughs> uh, which movie would do better, Skyscraper or Christopher Robin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I, I, that how, does that does did, sound familiar. How did that turn out? Well, uh, as I just mentioned, Skyscraper bombed with sixty-seven million dollars, and Christopher Robin did ninety-one million dollars. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Yeah. I guess you want so, a little you know side what? bet. I guess I guess it's a pyrrhic victory for you after all, Dave. <laughs> um, <laughs> I um I think I think actually the pyrrhic victory is yours, Jeff. I um, guess um yes. Yes. one of us is laughing and the other one is not. Do you, now, do you know I what guess, pyrrhic victory means? Okay, anyway. I guess it's still uh, it's still uh, anybody's game at this point. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Skyscraper, definitely my my biggest mistake. Um, and also putting also the... Mine. Also yeah. putting, yeah, also Devendra put Skyscraper on his list, too. Um, and putting The Incredibles too low. I put it at number four. Uh, Should have put it higher. Uh, those were my biggest mistakes. How about uh, you, Peter Serrata? Looking over your list... Um, it should be said that Jermaine is the only person on, on this podcast that got all 10 movies. That's right. He's the only one that got all 10 movies, like not in the correct order, but he got them. Yeah. Right? And yet that yeah. didn't give him the guts to show up. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so Peter. I, uh, my biggest mistake is Mamma Mia 2, which I put at number nine and it was at number 11. Yeah. So basically uh, I screwed up. Yeah, and and you and if you had put Mission Impossible higher as well, 
that probably yeah. would have uh, would have helped Peter, you. Out. You also have the distinction of having uh, a, a, a movie on your list, albeit a dark horse, but still a movie on your list that is the lowest <laughs> of any movie of anyone else put on their list ever. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, not ever, but this uh, on, on, So Peter put Action Point as a dark horse. That movie came in 46 this summer uh, in domestic box office. So he missed it by that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how, did you see Action Point, Peter? No, <laughs> I heard. I heard it was miserable. Peter, sort of guess guess the total domestic gross of Action Point. Uh, is it in the just just guess uh, guess single di- is it single digit of million dollars? Guess I'm, I'm gonna say six six million dollars. Five point zero five million dollars. <laughs> but look, if we're gonna give Tom Cruise a ton of like attention for like he broke his foot, like those guys, the yeah. jackass guys have spent yeah. their entire careers breaking their bones and stapling their testicles and stuff. Like if anybody <laughs> deserved millions of dollars, guys. Give yeah. the testicle staplers uh, some credit, you guys. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're talking I mean Chris, you're talking to someone who saw all three jackass movies in the theater. So I Definitely have a lot of respect for what they do. I think, like with Action Point, my understanding was it was more of a narrative film, and that's probably where they. Yeah, were no, it right? was like based on a real thing, and I I didn't end up seeing it because it sounded not interesting. Um, and I'm being completely facetious, <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the Jackass movies. I watched. I did not watch them in theaters because I felt like that was not the environment in which I wanted to watch them. But I I did watch all those. Mm. Uh, Christy Puchko, let's get to your list. Um, I think we all know. <laughs> Where your list went. I regret nothing. I blame the audience for this. Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which, for the record, is called Teen Titans Go to the Movies, not Teen Titans Go. Uh, It was really fun, really inventive. Here's the problem. It has some similarities in plot-wise with Incredibles 2, which I think hurt it. And I think that might be part of why it seemed like Warner Brothers wasn't really doing much to promote it as it got closer. Uh, Maybe they expected to do better once it hits VOD or digital or whatever. Uh, it's a really fun movie. And if you like the show, if you like that sense of humor, my husband and I had an absolute blast watching that movie. And it really disappoints me that it didn't do better. Uh, it came in 30th. Um, so yeah, I ranked it too high, but, uh, I'm actually kind of surprised because I thought DC fans for as much as they are, you know, rampant on the internet, I thought they would turn out for this more. And I learned there is a great big division down DC when it comes to this particular property. Mm. So that's a bummer. And, uh, I hope that it doesn't mean bad things for the future of the franchise and it's, it's other version of the franchise, but I don't know, man. I really like Team Titans Go, and if you liked it, I wrote stuff about it, and you should Google it, because I had a lot of fun with this one. Here's the thing. Even though this was a fairly disastrous choice for your list, I actually think this movie did really well. Um, I think $30 million domestic is really good for a movie of this kind. According to Box Office Mojo, the budget's $10 million, you know? So I think, like, uh, it, it is a success. You, you know, I don't think any of us... Thought it would make the top ten, but I think like raking in that much for a, a show that's based on a or a film that's based on a TV show uh, bodes well for them. So I'm, uh, like, I'm, I'm like, going to correct you, Dave. Christie thought it was going to make the top. 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought uh, I, I, I've also heard the movie is great, so I'm actually looking forward to checking it out once yeah. it hits VOD. Um, it but basically yeah. made six times uh, testicle stapler. Yeah, so six times action that's, point. That's right. That's there right. you go. Um, and Christy also chose Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which was a actually legitimately great choice at number 10 uh, until the Meg ate it, which no one 
literally no one saw coming. So um, uh, that was, relatively speaking, I would say minor mistakes on your list. Devendra Hardware. Now, here's the thing. Like, many yeah. of us... Many of us got most of the films in the top ten. And as Jeff pointed out in our original recording, uh, like we, we all chose roughly the same movies. It was literally yep. just like if you shifted them around a little bit, you know, like uh, it, it makes a difference between victory yeah. and defeat. Like it's not like – This wasn't a super diverse summer basically. Yeah. We could tell yeah. that from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's yeah. a really cool um, little chart on the summermoviewager.com uh, titled List Comparison. And it really shows you the top two performers are the only people that didn't put solo number three. Like yeah. the farther down on your list you put solo, the better you did. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it really is the movie that swung the lists, I think. Yeah. For, yep. a, lo- for a lot of us. Yeah. So, yeah, Devinger, your list is pretty good. Um, you put Skyscraper Except at number for 10. solo. Yeah. Skyscraper. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought The Rock would have had something, right? A, l- a little bit of rock juice, something, you know? <laughs> uh, for me, the biggest regret is Ant-Man and the Wasp. I should have just, like, gone with my gut a little more. I think... I probably would have put that closer to uh, to a five or something. If right. So you we put Ant Man and the Wasp at number nine. You put Skyscraper at number ten, and you put Solo at number three. Like that. That was probably yeah. like the three things that kind of sunk your list. Mm-hmm. Um, you also put the first Purge, Sicario two, and Mamma Mia on your dark horses. Um, yeah. And I, I don't, yeah, I don't. I mean, I think I don't know about the first Purge and Sicario. So we should say Sicario. Uh, let's see. Let's let's look those up. Um, but Sicario, Davis Soldado made fifty million. Um, which I think is actually more money than Sicario One. Yeah, made oh, uh, Sicario One made forty six. Forty six. Yeah, and well, you know, you haven't even seen Sicario Two, have you, Devendra? I have not. Yeah, have well, not. Th- that movie is not very good, um, <laughs> but it does not deserve to be to, to have made more money than Sicario Two. Probably does uh, does mean that we are going to get more Sicario films, though. Um, so mm. maybe the next person who gives it a shot will will do better. Uh, and the first Perch that was uh, a movie that made. $69 million did pretty well. Um, not not bad at all, but I don't think any of the Purge movies have cracked top 10. Mm, that's uh, surprising because uh, it seems like they're, yeah, they keep making them, um, but I guess they're cheap enough that yeah, like, they are, whatever. They, they are so cheap. They are so cheap, Devendra. First Purge budget was $13 million. It made $69 million domestic. I mean, Purge 1, that movie budget I think was around $3 million right. and it made 64 You know, like as long as those ratios stay up, uh, they're going to keep making uh, Purge movies. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that was the first Purge. Let's get to Jeff Kanata's list. Yeah, let's. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Kanata, where do you think uh, where do you think it all went wrong for you, Jeff? Mm. Where do you think it all mm. went wrong? <laughs> well, um, you know, there's that Christopher Robin. But yeah. you know, the, the, the bright side is that uh, I think a, a community galvanized around that movie – uh, we, we we call ourselves the poo heads, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, I welcome all the poo heads. Uh, we you know there there was such a such a it felt like such a groundswell of support, and uh, you know I, that movie o- o- well overperformed. I think we can all agree. Fourteenth place in the summer. That's pretty darn good for a movie that I had no idea was what it was when I put it on my list. How I, many poo heads bought out whole theaters to show Christopher Robin? <laughs> Not enough poo heads. I think, uh, yeah, number 14 certainly came a lot close. Like, I was actually kind of, I'll be honest, Jeff, I was scared uh, when Christopher Robin opened pretty strong. You know, I, yeah. was, I was afraid that we'd have to come back on the podcast and eat, our, eat crow over laughing at you. But fortunately, uh, we can still laugh at you for making such a terrible choice. So <laughs> I'm really glad about that. Yeah, 
There is definitely laughter, but uh, I will point out again, Christopher Robin did better than Skyscraper. Right. Like it was actually not as bad a choice as we thought. I was more amused because at the time you thought it was going to just be like a live action retelling of the Pooh stories. I did. I did. Because you don't read trailers or watch trailers. And that's what it like. That's what was like really dizzy, like giddy for me because I was like, I'm sorry. Alex Ross Perry wrote this. I believe <laughs> so. I believe that's called being hoisted on your own petard. Yes, yes, yes. hoisted by your own petard. Uh, so I would say your the the biggest mistakes you made, Jeff. Um, solo at Star Wars Story at number three, um, putting Ocean's Eight at number six, which it did worse than that, and also Christopher Robin at number nine didn't even make the list at all. Um, Correct. That that was the the the, the triumvirate of terrible decisions by Jeff Kanata that mm-hmm. uh, put you in that position. Yeah. Uh, Tell us about your uh, dark horses, Jeff. Well, I, I had uh, I had Skyscraper as a dark horse, uh, hedging my bets. But, uh, you know, that movie is not as good as a Christopher Robin movie. Uh, and uh, Equalizer 2, which, you know, was 13th, not too shabby. Could, right. could have, you know, had a potential to... And that's what, what dark horses are for, is those ones that are sort of bubble films, I think. Uh, and then I had Tag, because I was like, well, that seems like a comedy that might break. Uh, and it was 18th, so it was not, you know... Still, right, right behind skyscraper tag. Uh, 18. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think people were thinking it would be like uh, Game Night. Actually, that movie Game Night broke out in, in a big yeah. way, made sixty nine million dollars. Uh, tag fifty four million dollar domestic. Uh, I don't think it, it did super well as as people would have hoped for. Uh, it made seventy seven million dollars worldwide. Uh, not the biggest take for for a cast of that caliber. But that being said, the film was extremely silly so uh it seems about right where that movie came in 18th for the summer so any other closing thoughts as we reflect back on this summer uh and what happened i think there were many (laughs) surprise like were there any big surprises for you guys for me the big surprise i've already said is like the Meg taking number 10, right? That was shocking. Incredibles 2 doing so well, being one of the only movies yeah. to make over $600 million ever. And um, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp outperforming solo Star Wars story. Could never have possibly predicted that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my takeaways are don't underestimate Pixar. Yep. Don't overestimate Star Wars. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. I, I mean, I also <laughs> yeah, Dave, think... Yeah, go ahead. You know... As the winner, Dave, I, I think you know it'd be interesting to hear your your secret of your success. But also, <laughs> what what possessed you to put solo solo? Uh, n- nice pun, Jeff. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, as I argued on the podcast, I was like, I'm just going to take a bet that people are going to get tired of uh, of Star Wars. Like we just had Last Jedi not too long ago. Uh, we had Rogue One not too long ago, and that this story is not going to be compelling enough to put butts into seats. But really, guys, I mean, look. Yes, I will be completely insufferable about this win. Like, do not, do not mistake what I'm about to say for me denying mm. that I'm going to lure this over. I just want to point you. out and correct you slightly. Will? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but ultimately, like Jeff, you made the call when we first recorded this episode that uh, the the original episode, right? That um, it's it's really going to be about like those little minute decisions that people like. Uh, yeah. pretty much all of us got the top ten movies. Like, like, uh, well, it, it proved it proved that what we we predicted at the time as well. The bottom five this year were far more important 
than the top five. And the fact that mm-hmm. Solo was in that bottom five uh, was was a shock. But yeah. I think, you know, you put it away with Ocean's 8, with The Meg. You know, it's that bottom f- – usually it's that it's that top five that everybody puts the most emphasis on and, and you know, we, we focus on. But this year yeah. in particular, it's that bottom five that really – And the up. points are equal across all the categories, right, or across yep. all the numbers. So – yeah, yep. you, yeah. I mean, you like, don't get extra points for getting the first one right. Most yeah. of us got like nine, uh, at, at least nine out of the ten films. Like most of us, at least guessed nine out of the ten films correctly, right? Um, yeah. Four of us, I think, at least guessed nine out of the correct uh, out of the ten films correctly. So, like, uh, it really was those tiny, tiny differences between um, the movies that that. Like, I don't. I, even though I did win, um, it does not feel like a super decisive victory to me. You know, mm-hmm. um, the other thing that I love about this game is, and I think Peter said this in our original episode this year, and, and we always sort of reiterate it. It always at the beginning of the summer seems so obvious <laughs> which movies are going to do well and which are not, and it never is. Yeah. It never is. It, there's always weird outliers and strange. Uh, unexpected things, movies that outperform or underperform. It, it that's why that, why it's fun. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, if you look at like 2015, which is by the way another year that I won. Um, the, you know that's a year yeah. where uh, I don't think any of us, <laughs> any not a single person participating in that wager got all ten films. Um, right. and and I don't think a single person got nine films. Right. So like that was a year where no one got more than eight films correct, right? Whereas in this year, uh, many of us got at least nine films. And some of us got tenth, uh, all ten films. Jermaine got all ten films. Some of us got uh, all ten with Dark Horse, if you include Dark Horses, right? So um, this is a year where everyone did really well, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, but it's just, yeah, those, like you said, bottom five, it's those little tiny decisions of moving Solo down, moving Ocean's 8 down, moving Hotel Transylvania up, like, you know, all these little, little things uh, minute decisions that in the end added up to a significant bulwark of points. Man, it's so um, funny that you brought up 2015 because I just popped into it on the website. Yeah. So Jurassic World <laughs> yeah, and an Avengers movie, right? Uh, a, a Mission Impossible movie, <laughs> an Ant-Man movie, yeah. a movie about the rock dealing with a crazy explosion tragedy. <laughs> but also family. But yeah. also family. Yeah. Uh, a Pixar movie. Uh, so yeah, yeah. What a, what a weird... Basically, and movies then... are cyclical now. Movies are cyclical, right? So, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, it's, it definitely feels uh, feels very similar. So, uh, yeah, guys, I, I pulled the Golden State Warriors three victories in four years, uh, and it, so we we have arrived at the big moment that everyone everyone's waiting for, which is what is the movie that I'm going to assign you all to watch? And uh, as I may have pointed out on this podcast before. Uh, in picking this movie, I decided to choose a uh, a philosophy that my law professor in college also chose, which is justice tempered with mercy, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, when I when I made everyone watch Gods of Egypt a couple of years ago. There was uh, no mercy in there. I no. thought you were actually just saying that's the title of it, that it's called Justice Temper with Mercy. Yeah, no. It's actually Love and Mercy. Yeah. <laughs> I was already Googling. I was like, what? That was, yeah. uh, so that was Gods of Egypt. And that was Justice because that was a movie that received 15% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, unduly panned. 
you know, uh, uh, unduly, uh, like, unduly. like uh, unfairly panned, unjustifiably panned. I didn't even see that movie because I lost anything. I saw that movie because that is my job, and I resent <laughs> the argument that that is a remotely good movie. Ahem, unjustifiably panned, and so that was justice. That was that was me saying, hey, this is a movie that didn't do well. Um, it deserves to be seen. So, in an act of justice, Dave, can can you just tell us what we're going to have to watch? <laughs> I just have to say though, this whole justice argument sounds like a Mission Impossible villain. Like there is no peace without great suffering. And you will suffer through. That's right. That's right. There is no peace without great suffering, and. Um, Somehow watching this movie is going to make us yeah. better people, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Well, now, now that the suffering has happened, the peace can come. So this movie I have chosen uh, is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. 100%. 48 uh, critics have ranked it, and it is 100% average rating, 8.7 out of 10. feels like a trick. Yeah. <laughs> it is not. It is not. I'm actually really excited. So I have not seen this movie. Um, and I'm actually what excited. Happening? This is making me so stressed out right now. <laughs> wow. I'm excited to watch it with you. It is the film Minding the Gap, directed by Bing Liu. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, it oh. is on Hulu right now. And uh, apparently it is excellent. And uh, it's also directed by an Asian person. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. I think it'll be a, a pleasant experience for everyone. So I've been looking forward to watching this. Yeah. yeah. Good so, call. Now I have seen everything. (laughs) Dave Chen, magnanimous in victory. (laughs) That is correct. Remember this, everyone, next year on the Summer Movie Wager when we do this again. So uh, that is Minding the Gap. And uh, it's available on Hulu. And I'd encourage you to watch it. And I think we'll probably try to record an episode uh, about it. That is part of the, uh, the whole wager I added last year. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, sometime in the next few weeks, we'll probably try to record an episode about it. So, um, yeah, that is my decision. I've declared victory, and I've handed down my judgment upon you all. Justice tempered by mercy, it's mercy this year. Uh, and thank you all for playing for the Summer Movie Wager this year. Uh, any other thoughts on this <laughs> this crazy summer before we wrap this episode up? Or shall we wrap it up, ladies and it's gentlemen? A, it's a crazy summer. That's it. It like, was a it's crazy a- summer. It was a it was a result no one wanted, uh, and uh, literally the only thing we fight for is to not let Dave win. As we all failed, so I'm a failure. Yeah, yeah. If we it really the pulled, year of Thanos. Yeah, it's the year of Thanos. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, David Chen will return, as they say in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you all for playing. It's been so much fun. Thanks again to Dennis and to all the people who entered, all the thousands of people who scored way better than us uh, on this year's Summer Movie Wager. Uh, and we'll be back uh, later on to talk about the choices. You can find more episodes uh, to talk about you know, our thoughts on the, on the winning film, Minding the Gap on Hulu. Um, find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned to your We'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Christy Puchko, where can I find more of your work on the internet this week? Well, I write all over the web, but I write every day at pajiba.com. You can find me on Twitter at Christy Puchko. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y-P-U-C-H-K-O. And you can keep up with my career highlights at decadentcriminals.com and do that because I've got New York Film Festival stuff coming up, TIFF stuff coming up, and uh, Fantastic Fest stuff coming up. Wait, did you go to TIFF? I did not, but you can see some things remotely, so Mm. I've done that. I have to say it has been absolutely excruciating 
uh, watching yeah. all those tweets roll. Yeah, I'm from super Tim. bitter about it this yeah. year. Yeah. Has yeah. Tiff ever been this good? It's been <laughs> amazing, it sounds like. I think it's also like there's no way to filter it out of the mentions, you know, because it's, it's not like everyone yeah. uses the hashtag Tiff or anything like that. Um, but yeah, apparently Tiff is really good this year. I'm looking forward to seeing Roma. I'm looking forward to seeing Star is Born. Widows, um, man. Widows. Uh, yeah, Widows. Exactly. going to be incredible. So uh, jealous of all the Tiff people. Peter Serretta, where can people find more of your work on the internet? You can find me at SlashFilm.com and at SlashFilm on all social media. And please, if you like podcasts, I mean, you got this far and you <laughs> you like movies and you like hearing about movies on a daily basis, listen to SlashFilm Daily, uh, which you can find on your podcast app that you're listening to this through right now. Jeff Kanata? I do another show about video games. It's called DLC. You can find it at 5x5.tv slash DLC. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Devinder Hardwar. Oh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Devinder there. I write about tech and gadget.com, and uh, it's iPhone week, so check in there for coverage. I'm psyched. Looking forward to checking out Devinder's live blog. Um, and find all my stuff at davechen.net. Sign up to receive emails from me at davechen.net slash letters. Next week, we'll be reviewing Shane Black's movie, The Predator. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. We'll see you later.